1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. Today we have as our guest, Mr. S. Venki Venkatesh, who is working as the member of the group management board and president of the group HR at RPG Group. So hi, Venki. Thank you for coming and joining us today.
0: Thank you. My pleasure entirely.
1: So just to set some context for our lovely listeners, could you please take us through your career journey so far?
0: Okay, sure thing. I started a long time back. For some of your young listeners, I started more than three decades back after I graduated from uh, Tata Institute with my post-graduation. And in those days, it was called personnel management. And right. then re- got rechristened to HR some years later. I joined um, ITC from campus. I spent the first 10 years with them. Wonderful experience, great company. Wow. Okay. And uh, then, of course, I, you know, took certain calls to move to certain organizations where there were bigger jobs, bigger geographies. For example, from ITC, I joined a British energy company called PowerGen PLC, where I became the India Middle East HR director. And I was pretty young at that time. I would have been 32 at that stage. Right. Then came an inflection point when I consciously took a call to work for large Indian conglomerates. Because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, in an MNC, unless you are in the corporate headquarters, you are working in a geography, you are in a subsidiary, and you have many bosses who tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. I want to be my own boss and uh, be the group or global CHRO. So I took on basically two very distinct roles. I At the peak of the telecom, early telecom revolution in India, I worked as the group CHRO for BPL. Mm -hmm. Worked directly with the chairman, Rajiv Chandrasekhar, who's today the minister for IT. And uh, then I joined Vedanta Resources PLC when they were just about becoming a global metals and mining conglomerate. We also listed on the London Stock Exchange, became a FTSE 100 company. So I was their global CHRO for five years. All right. Then I took a call to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I ran my own strategic HR advisory firm for about four years, four and a half years almost. Worked with multiple groups as the advisor to the board, chairman. And I also worked with a lot of private equity companies being their fund side HR advisor. So very interesting experience where I learned to be on my own without the support of a large company. I was doing business development. And then I took a call in 2014 to come back to a so-called regular corporate job. And I joined RPG as the president group HR. So and I've been with them for about nine years now. So that's the journey so far.
1: That's an amazing journey. So much to learn, so much of experience. So you've been part of the RPG group for almost a decade now. How does the company measure success? And what are the key performance indicators, according to you, that has been very uh, impactful, you know, part of the organization?
0: So, you know, other than the usual business performance metrics, which I think, you know, everybody tracks, that's Mm -hmm. key to survival and growth, which is all the revenue and the profits and the market share and all of that. I think we are unique as a group that we put a lot of emphasis on the people side of the organization. You know, for example, every leader will have a mix of KRAs, which are linked to hard deliverables, but also on the people side, culture, happiness, succession planning, all of that is part of every leader's KRAs. So you can't just be a great maverick delivering business results, but you cannot be absolutely not a great people manager that won't qualify you as a leader in our company. Mm-hmm. So- the other important thing is that we are probably, and I would say this with a fair amount of confidence, we are probably the only diversified conglomerate in the world to use happiness as a metric.
1: All
2: right. Uh,
0: we are quite unique because some years back, we launched a happiness framework, which for the best of my knowledge, no company has it anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. To determine what we call the HQ, the happiness quotient of every company. And for that, Uh, For us, that is an important driver. We have stopped doing all the plain vanilla employee engagement surveys and all of that and moved several notches above to measuring happiness. Mm -hmm. And of course, we have our own definition of happiness. You know, what you define as happiness is different from mine. But we have an organizational definition of happiness, not written by me or any senior management, but expressed as a view by 5,000 people. We captured the voice of the people and came out with a framework which reflects their views. Mm -hmm. So now nobody can say, listen, you're measuring happiness as per your framework. It is their Mm -hmm. framework. It is the people's framework that we use. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And uh, so, for example, every company has a happiness quotient target. And therefore, every leader has one. So even if you deliver super duper profits, but you don't deliver happiness to our people, doesn't fly in our company. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is any company, again I'm you know at the cost of repetition, which takes happiness to this level and uses it as a performance metric.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a very nice way to express the people's requirement. And considering now in days where certainly a lot of things happen, like there's a lot of gloomy situations happening, a lot of layoffs, and perhaps what employee needs is a bit of happiness. And the happening quotient is an amazing initiative that the organization has taken. So you've talked about the need to set up a credible best CHR award. Just for like any other executive role, which is very interesting. So can you share some more of your views and the importance of it?
0: Right. So when I wrote that article, what I meant was that, is there a way we can come out with, again, capturing the people's views on who's the best CHRO? See, today the awards are given by either industry associations or professional organizations saying that so-and-so is the best CHRO of the year. Mm -hmm. But has anybody asked the 5,000 or 10,000 people in the company, you know, do you think your CHRO is the best CHRO in the market? Would you like to nominate him or her? And if not your company, who else do you think is doing great work in the people agenda? So it is is a bit, I'd compared it with the awards which you give to film stars, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, the, The ultimate judge of who the most successful actor or the best actor is the audience, right? Yeah. It cannot be decided by directors association or distributors association or theater owners association.
1: Exactly.
0: People like you and me who watch a movie should be able to judge. Judge it. Yeah.
1: Keep it back.
0: It's the same thing that I'm saying that the employees who are affected by the CHRO's actions, good or bad, it could be negative. Sometimes what we do in a sense HR is like politics. I always say, you know, if you want to do really good stuff to people, you can do a lot because you have the influence and the ability and you have to be like a good politician. Mm -hmm. If you're not a good politician and therefore you're not a good HR person, then the damage you can cause is huge also. Mm -hmm. So the point I was trying to make is let employees who are getting affected be the best judge of who the best CHRO is. And today... To the best of my knowledge, there is no credible format or agency or anything which gives away such an award.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think people should be the one taking all this lead. And
0: employees employees should judge. Okay?
1: Definitely.
0: It, it cannot be that the HR, CHRO Association of India mm-hmm. gives away an award to somebody saying you are the best CHRO. No, <laughs> that's all. Yeah.
1: So that's amazing. So that's a pretty good way to sum it up that best CHR award needs to have more in-depth opinions taken from the people, the employees who have directly, who has direct impact on each other. So how do you ensure that all employees are aware of the importance of DEI and how they can contribute to creating a more inclusive workplace?
0: Right. So for us in RPG, one of the tenets of happiness is to create an inclusive workplace. And for us, DEI goes beyond gender diversity. You know, gender diversity is just the beginning. You know, are you hiring more women? or women in leadership positions? But now, for example, in RPG, we are looking at very, very different measures of diversity and inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Are we hiring people of different geographical origins? Indian companies generally have not done a great job of hiring non-Indian leadership. Oh,
2: right. mm-hmm.
0: Anywhere you go, you'll find bases in Indian companies, right? right. They, may, they may have a presence in 15 countries, but if the leadership is predominantly from India, then there's no point. You are not a global company. In RPG, for example, we have taken on a very important uh, mission of saving transgenders from the streets, and hiring them in our factories
2: Mm -hmm. you
0: know i i i or you or anybody must be feeling so bad when we hire when we when we see transgenders at traffic signals begging right so it's a very sad scene and these people are able-bodied and they are not you know working uh, as work so Mm -hmm. we have now brought in into our factories transgenders who are now working full-time employees along with other employees. And they came out of a life of poverty, humiliation, lack of self-respect. And it's a very fascinating story here. First, they all all ran away. They said, no, it's too much hard work. Eight hours of work in a plant we can't do. We make the same amount of money by begging for a few hours in a day. So, Mm -hmm. but we said, just think about what kind of life are you leading? There's no respect, no dignity.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You are an employee of Cet, which is an RPG company. We are paying you a salary. Your whole life changes. So people... Understood. So it's a bit of a, you know, we went through our own learning, they went through their own learning. So just an example for us what diversity means, also hiring marginalized sections of the society, giving, and them, opportunity. Opportunity. And giving yeah. them opportunity. And we do also a lot of hiring of differently abled people, mm-hmm. uh, physically handicapped and differently abled people. So diversity is not just hiring more women, diversity is all kinds of things. And diversity is also hiring people. Who don't exactly think like you and me? Mm-hmm. Who bring in a different point of view? That is the most difficult thing, because leadership want people who are clones of themselves. You know, if I say something, you want your team to say, "Yeah, yeah, great things that you've said." But somebody should be able to tell you, "No, no, I don't think that's a great idea. Why don't we do it differently?" That inclusivity of a different viewpoint is more difficult to establish.
1: Absolutely.
0: So we are we are doing a three sixty degree DEI strategy, not just. Focusing on one or two things.
1: It's amazing you're you're just giving out the broad impact to all kinds of people, including all the uh, like, irrespective of their levels. And the fact that they had gets the opportunity, have the stability. You know, to have the stability, have a better life opportunity. This is something that I guess in DEI mostly it's not as included, but that's amazing to see that you're going forward with it. So. You've published a book called Unmanifest, the story of Kalki. And that was very interesting for me to come across. So what was your overall idea on writing this in the beginning? And how did it come about to you?
0: So I'm a big mythology buff. Okay. Uh And uh, I always wanted to write about a subject which not many people have written about. Mm -hmm. Kalki, as you know from the mythology, is the last avatar. Yeah, Mm -hmm. at the end of the world and redeem the world, Lord Vishnu's incarnation. Mm -hmm. If you you look it up, there are not enough books or articles written on it. Mm -hmm. And I thought I will do a different take, and I will write a book which is set in the future. So this book is set 425,000 years later.
2: All right,
0: and it is set at a time when there will be extreme environmental degradation, extreme. degradation of moral values because that is a time god promises that i will come as a messiah and save the world so i i had fun writing that book because i wanted to write a book which is very different i didn't want to write a management book or a leadership book that's why i wrote a book on mythology
1: all right so That's amazing. So thank you for being here and just sharing your wonderful insights with us. And I'm sure there's a lot of content for our lovely listeners. So this brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you, Venki. And it was lovely hosting you today.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Likewise.